Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought sp spices so they could go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, they just, sun just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When they rose early on the first day of the week, sorry, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all they will place their hands on the sick, and the people will get well. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive indeed. My brother Ron, who directs the choir along with a couple of other of our men, has said to me a few times uh, over the number of months and years that I've known him, the choir's getting smaller. Maybe true, but they're not getting quieter. They're still as good as if there were 40 of them up there. That, that was a wonderful, wonderful rendition for us on Easter Sunday. This week I was really breezing through the internet looking for things that uh, were meaningful from God's Word and placing my heart before Him, 
seeking what I might just take a few moments to share with you, his people. And as usual, I do that. I recognize that most of the, when I would mark Easter Sunday down there, there were pages and pages of Easter bunny stories. A couple of them caught my attention because I thought they were very humorous. One was a man was blissfully driving along the highway when he saw the Easter bunny hopping across the middle of the road. He swerved to avoid hitting the bunny, but unfortunately the rabbit jumped in front of his car and was hit. The basket of eggs went flying all over the place. Candy too. The driver being a sensitive man as well, as an animal lover, pulled over to the side of the road and got out to see what had become of the bunny carrying the basket. Much to his dismay, the colorful bunny was dead. A woman driving along the same highway saw the man crying on the side of the road and pulled over. She stepped out of her car and asked the man what was wrong. I feel terrible, he explained. I accidentally hit the Easter bunny and killed it. There were not many, there, they may not, excuse me, <coughs> there may not be the Easter this year because of me. What should I do? The woman told him, don't worry. She knew exactly what to do. She went to her car trunk and pulled out a, a spray can, walked over to the limp dead bunny and sprayed the entire contents of the can onto the little furry animal. Miraculously, the Easter bunny came to life, jumped up, picked up the spilled eggs and candy, waved its paw at the two humans, and hopped on down the road. Fifty yards away, the bunny stopped, turned around, waved, and hopped on down the road. Again, another fifty yards away, he did it again. The man was astonished. He couldn't figure out what could possibly in the woman's spray can. He said to the woman, what in heaven's name is in your spray can? The woman turned turned the can around so the man could read the label. It said, hairspray, restore life to dead hair. (laughs) There's all kinds of stories about Easter that you find on the internet. Some are humorous, some are misleading, and some are beneficial to our spiritual growth. A Sunday school, or a a, a teacher asked a, a her children one day in class. They were four-year-olds, and she asked, does anyone know what today is? A little girl held up her and said, yes, today is Palm Sunday. The teacher exclaimed, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. Now does anyone know what next Sunday is? The same little girl held up her hand and said, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Once again, the teacher said, that's fantastic. (laughs) Now does anyone know what makes next Sunday? next Sunday Easter. The same little girl responded and said, yes, next Sunday is Easter because Jesus rose from the grave. Before the teacher, although could congratulate her, she kept on talking and said, but if he sees his shadow, he is going to go back for six more weeks. (laughs) Our world has a lot of confusion about Easter. There's a lot of confusion that goes on around this celebration, but for us, it is is the greatest day of the Christian experience. It is the greatest day in our lives. I'm surprised that 
Easter isn't celebrated much longer, much healthier, and with more vigor. Without Easter, without the resurrection, our world would continue to be in a confusion of darkness. Jesus rising from the grave is Easter. There's no other way to put it. And Easter is a time that we need to take moments in our lives to reflect on what Jesus really means to us. I don't know who jumped up at the back there and yelled, uh, he's alive, but hey, we need more of that. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. I thought he was dead for a minute. Jesus is alive, and that's what Easter is all about. It reminds us that Jesus didn't just die in vain. I often wonder, and actually a, a, a couple of, uh, of our gentlemen that we were talking in the aisle before service, I wonder what was going on between Friday and Sunday. What was going on in people's hearts between Friday and Sunday? The Bible's not totally clear with any kind of definition. I mean, I've heard things like, well, Jesus went to hell for three days. I have a hard time finding that literally in the Scriptures in that kind of sense. So there's all kinds of, of talk and discussion and dialogue that goes on. What happened between Friday and Sunday for the people who were rejoicing and then crucifying. Well, I think there were mixed emotions that day. It's obviously when we read the story we read today that the two Marys, they were sad. They were heartbroken. They couldn't wait to go to Jesus and give him a proper burial. Their mind and heart was consumed with the loss of a loved one. Much like those of us who have lost someone in our family, for the next few days after the passing of a loved one, we are, we are sad. If it's a spouse, we are lonely. If it's a child, we are angry. This is, must have been the feeling of the two Marys and those who, who followed Christ closely. They must have been in that grieving time, but they couldn't wait to honor him properly. But what about the disciples? Again, the Bible is kind of unclear what they did in those two days, but you didn't really hear or see much about them. The only thing we do know for sure is Peter, you know, after he denied Christ, ran off and wept somewhere. He went to be alone and, and, and seek repentance seek sorrow, deal with his wrongdoing. The disciples weren't rushing to the tomb on Sunday morning. They must have been somewhere. It's hard to say what they were thinking. Perhaps they were just a, a minuscule reflection of what the crowd was thinking. 
between, fr between Friday and Sunday. Those who yelled, crucify him, the religious leaders, they were having a party. They had accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. They had killed Christ. They had crucified him. They were a happy crowd. Those who cried crucifying were wrapping their arms around religious leaders and they were kind of rejoicing. Now this is in my mind's eye. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But perhaps it does in a sense of what they did on Friday when they said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Well, he got crucified. So you've got to think they were feeling good. Our government listened to us. That was kind of the the framework that we see. But you know, it's not much different than us sometimes. Sometimes we get lost in our Christian experience. The world captures us and we become confused and we kind of distance ourselves, not intentionally, not maliciously, but the world just grabs us and starts to take us away. And we're kind of in this void, and our life becomes confusing. Our life, uh, we start to wonder what fulfillment in life really is. Hope that there's something better. And can't I really mean something to somebody? That happens when we drift between Friday and Sunday. But Sunday is a reminder for us. Sunday is a reminder. Tony Campolo, uh, we don't hear much of him anymore, but he used to be a great, great speaker years ago. And uh, he had this powerful message that I think will go down in the annals of Christian history. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And we need to be reminded that in our daily lives, when we think it's Friday, we need to remember, no, Sunday's coming. Wish I could do it like a black preacher. They have this kind of growl in their voice, Sunday's coming. And it's true. It reminds us, first of all, that Jesus lives. Jesus lives. He lives to fill our lives with his presence. He didn't just come alive to walk to Jerusalem and then go to heaven. There was much more to his living, his, re his resurrection than that. He rose from the dead so that he could depart to heaven and impart upon us the Holy Spirit of God who is another one just like him. And that Holy Spirit will indwell you. That Holy Spirit will not only capture your mind, it will capture your very being if we just let and understand that He lives and He lives in us. He lives in us. Jesus says in the book of Revelation, it's recorded by John, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door and invites me in, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. That's what Jesus would shout out this morning to the whole world. And he would shout out to us in this sanctuary. 
If anyone, if, if, if I knock on your heart, Jesus would say, where, are, where is Jesus today in your life? Is he outside knocking, trying to get in? Have you opened the door and said, come on in? Jesus rose from the dead for that very purpose, so that he could come into your life. He, he came alive for that purpose. He also came alive to set us free. To set us free. Free from the bondages of life. I know perhaps you don't have them, but I sure do. And when I try to get rid of those bondages within my own power, I fail. But when I surrender that bondage moment by moment, I'm set free from it. Jesus rose again from the dead to set us free from those things that bind us from being all that he wants us to be. Jesus, I spoke with a gentleman this morning because I've been, conf I've been a bit confused, but he straightened me out. He's my friend, Jeff. I've gone to a couple of AA meetings with our folks downstairs, and I've been, I've been rejoicing with them. I've been encouraging and listening to them, listening to their prayer, listening to their 12 steps, listening to the 12 principles of AA. But I have to admit I was a bit confused till I talked to Jeff. And Jeff, Jeff set me straight. Thank you, brother. Was a great, I'm going to carry on that conversation with him. But he said, you know, AA is a place that turns people back to God. The, the steps are there to help them find their spiritual wholeness. And I said, but, but Jeff, do people somehow just transfer their addiction from substance or alcohol to an AA group? And are they still in bondage? That's what I was struggling with. But he said to me, well, it's not much different than Christians because we transfer our, bond, our, 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 our uh, addictions to Christ, to the church. It becomes the place where we grow, are strengthened, and are renewed. Jesus is alive to renew us. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and new life has begun. Jesus came alive to set us free. Free from the things that hold us back from loving him. Free from the things and desires of our heart. And free to be family. He set us free to be family. We are a big family. I watched a video at our ABA conference a couple of weekends ago, and it was a little clip from Ice Age 2. And it was kind of these three really weird characters. Didn't have much in common at all. One had a great big trunk, one was about yay high, and the other one, 
They were just three weird characters walking along the Iceland, and all of a sudden, you know, something happened and it started to crash, and they saved each other. And one of them looked at it and he said, We are a weird tribe. Well, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we are a weird tribe because we believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. So we're a weird group of people, but we are weird saved people. We are weird saved people, and the power of Christ indwells us. So Jesus is alive is our first reminder. The second is that because of his resurrection, Jesus looks beyond our failures. He looks beyond our failures. Every day of life is a challenge. Every day of life, the arch enemy of God will throw wrenches in front of you, hoping you will trip over them. And many times we do. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've said this to, to several people on a number of occasions. The closer I get to Jesus, when I look in the mirror, the more I dislike myself. I just don't, I dislike the things I'm doing that I shouldn't do, and I dislike the things I haven't done that I know I should have done. But Jesus rose again from the dead and lives in you, and he looks beyond that and sees what you are going to become under his lordship. Day by day, life with Christ is a new experience. We need to let the resurrection of Jesus be resurrected in our life every day in a new way and a new time. You see, the resurrection just wasn't a one-moment thing. It was an eternity thing for all of us. And sometimes we put Jesus in the tomb so that we can probably do something we know we shouldn't be doing, and maybe he won't see us. Or maybe we put him in the trunk of the car. But Jesus is everywhere. Jesus is all that he says he is. And he looks beyond those failures. But we don't recognize that he's looked beyond them until we surrender in repentance and saying, Lord, forgive me. There are some things that I pray that almost every day. I say, forgive me again. But you know something, something I'm learning? Jesus doesn't remember the first time. He doesn't remember the first time. Because repentance with the resurrected Lord is exactly that. We are forgiven. He sees what he wants us to be. And his deepest desire is that we become that. The resurrected Lord Jesus will give us new spiritual eyes to see the world around us in a new way. I spoke about that a number of weeks ago, months ago probably, when I spoke about a Pentecostal day. And John, who had been hiding between Friday and Sunday, when Jesus rose again and gave the Holy Spirit, John became alive again in Christ 
And he went forward with a new set of spiritual eyes. And he saw the cripple, perhaps for the first time. Jesus is alive to give us a better view of our world. Sometimes we don't like what we see. But you know something? God loves every single soul in the world. The good ones and the bad ones. His love is complete. And we need to be reminded when we start slipping and sliding. Given. Thirdly, Jesus indwells us with what I call resurrection power. Jesus indwells us with resurrection power. I like that word. I like that word. My foster daughter and I were sitting down last night talking and just enjoying some television time together, and I turned it to the UFC. You know, that macho program where everybody beats up everybody. And my foster Aaron said, I like the UFC sometimes. They even like girls fight now. So we watched a few of those brutal, crazy things that people do. And I remember one time I said, this, these two girls were fighting and, and one of them gave the other one a kick. I said, now that's power. But Jesus rose again that we would be indwelt with a new kind of power that often we under, don't understand. And the first of that power is we have the power to go and tell people about him. We have the power to go and tell people about Jesus. Without the resurrection, we would not be able to do that because it's not, it's not natural in our humanity. As a matter of fact, we often try to shy away from those kinds of things. But because of the resurrection, because Jesus lives, you now have the power to tell the story of truth, and that is that Jesus died for you. That Jesus died for you. And you now can invite them to open their heart, and the living Christ that indwells you will move into their life. And they too will then have a new power within them, the resurrection power, to tell somebody else, and then to tell somebody else, and then to tell somebody else. Our passage today, very clearly, Jesus said, now go, go. I give you the power to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I want to tell you, we can't do that on our own. We get nervous. We get frightened. We get afraid. But there's no need. Because you have the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrected Jesus, helping you along the way. Now, I'm not suggesting that you all go out there this afternoon and, and really hit everybody with the gospel. But you have the power to build relationships. You have the power to help other people's lives to get changed. How? By the evidence of your changed life, by the power of Christ in you. 
If we are surrendering our life to the resurrected Jesus, he is changing us moment by moment, time by time, second by second. And people around us see that change. I share this with you. I shared it on Friday, but I think for the whole church, I can't help but share it. There are two things I saw this week in the power of Christ. The one was with our, da- our foster daughter, Erin, who came to us two and a half months ago with reports from Saskatchewan Oncology and from reports from our family doctor that she had cancer, terminal cancer, and that it had spread to several organs. And so we were saddened. And we took her to oncology in Calgary following our healing service. They did a bunch of tests on her, a bunch of scans, and we had our final consult with the oncologist this Wednesday. And the oncology reported to us, there are no tumors in any other organs. Those tumors are gone. The power of the resurrected Lord is still alive today. And so we don't give up. She still has cancer. But it's not terminal. She still has a little mass in her neck that they're working on. But it's not terminal. And that's a great miracle. But there's a second one that I found for me that is more rejoicing. On our way back from the oncologist, my daughter and and I were we're driving together and we were celebrating what we had just heard because my wife and I and Aaron went into the oncologist believing that we were going to have to help Aaron deal with terminating her life's termination. And so we were all excited when we heard what we heard. But you know what was the most exciting thing for me and the evidence of the power of the resurrection for me? As we were driving home, Aaron said to me, she wouldn't look at me because she was kind of looking out the window, so she didn't want me to see the tears that were running down her cheeks, but I saw them. And she said, Dad, the best thing for me out of all of this is I found God again. You see, the power of the resurrection is that Jesus will never let us go if we have surrendered our life to him, and even though sometime in our life we may fall astray, we may wander away from the, the, the flock of sheep, Jesus wanders with us. And he hangs on to us. And without the resurrection, that could not happen. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to close 
with a, another choir rendition. But I say to you, that Jesus will walk with us all the days of our life, even the bad days, but he will always draw us to him. And if we're willing to come, every day is resurrection day. Every day is resurrection day. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day and for what it reminds us of. I pray, Holy Spirit, that if there are those amongst us today who have never, who've never opened the door, but if you're knocking today, Jesus, may this be the day that they open up the door of their heart and invite you in, that you might resurrect them unto a new life, that will end with eternal life. If there are those here amongst you who would wish to do that on Easter Sunday, after the choir sings and I send you free for the day, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay up front to pray with you, to encourage you. Don't let another day go by in your life that you haven't welcomed Jesus in. And if you slipped and you need a little resurrection prayer, you come and see me. And we'll pray together. All because we want to see Jesus glorified and lifted up. Amen.